It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Be sure and check out our friends Smoky Mountain Organics online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or you can visit them in one of their East Tennessee locations. They've got four of those to serve you. If you mentioned VolQuest and an in-store purchase, you'll get 15% off of that purchase. They have locations in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and of course the location in Knoxville is at 8018 Kingston Pike. That is just across from Trader Joe's, and you can check them out at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. Plenty to get to on this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We'll start, obviously, with football and putting a bow tie on the Georgia game. Rob, as you um, reflected and reviewed upon Tennessee's 41-17 loss, good, bad, and ugly for you in terms of takeaways? Well, the good, just to start, and we've talked about it all year long, this coaching staff can can game plan and scheme some stuff up. And that was pretty apparent in the first quarter. But Tennessee had 159 yards in the first quarter. And then I think like 220-something in the next three. Um, you know, two, two drives of 70-plus yards, one for a touchdown, one installed in the Georgia 7. I mean, early on, I mean, these guys had a plan. And the kids, the kids knew it, and they, they were able to execute it. But then, you know, I think in the SEC – and, and I wrote this, as the game wears on, Jimmy's and Joe's start to matter a lot more than X's and O's. And, you know, I think Kirby Smart and his staff made a, made a couple of adjustments. And George's – I mean, I, you wrote this in your, your 10th days. I mean, you could just see the talent gap at places and, and guys not being able to get guys on the ground. And Georgia averaged 6.7 yards a carry. Tennessee averages 3.2. I mean, that, I mean that, that's, just, that's about kids. That's, that's not about scheme. If you had said before the season it was going to be so on page match, matched up with, uh, you know, Zamir White. Well, no, not Zamir White. James Cook. Uh, James Cook out, I don't out there wide. I don't think anybody was taking so on page in that one. <laughs> in, in a crazy question, I mean, obviously Tennessee has, has done good things, got a chance to win seven games here, and that speaks for itself. Should Tennessee fans take – as much encouragement from or more encouragement from the seven wins or nearly as much encouragement from the fact that um, they, they put up, you know, 300 some odd yards against Georgia, put up more yards than anybody did. Um, you know, they're in, they're in the ball game with Alabama in the second half. Which do you take if you're a Tennessee fan? Do you take more encouragement from? Beating, well, beating Missouri team, it's not very good. South Carolina team, not very good or the fact that you played Alabama the way you did and you, you did as much against Georgia with this roster as anybody else has done against Georgia in the SEC? To this not point. to not answer your question, but I would take it all as positive. You're beating the teams you're supposed to beat. That's a huge win. You know, as someone told me, uh, you know, on Monday, feels a lot like Kiffin's year. Um, you know, now Tennessee was more competitive on the whole against – they beat Georgia and more competitive against Florida and Bama in 2009. But, you know, though the dominance like that Georgia is and Alabama is like, you know, they, they are way more dominant now than they were in 2009. Um, and then of course, you know, Florida 
has really kind of been terrible after they lost or after they beat Tennessee. But, you know, I, the, on the whole, it, it does remind you kind of a lot that year. I think Kevin probably had a few more weapons than, than Josh has, but he's, he's made it work, especially on defense. Um, you know, all things considered. And as Rob said, they've, they've, you know, drawn up plays in the dirt and, and, and executed them again, Tennessee going seven and five, I, I, well, and doing it the way they've done it, I think it's a real uh, feather in Josh Heupel's cap. I'm on the same, but you can't, you can't worry about competing with Georgia until you establish that you're a better program than South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. You got to start there and take baby steps. And I think, I think Josh Heupel did that. He beat the four team, SEC teams that you absolutely must beat if you're Tennessee's head coach. I mean, yeah, you worry about the big three, but you know, you got to lay a foundation. You got to be better than those four teams that Tennessee has always and forever been better than. And he was this year. So, Tennessee, you got two games left South Alabama, you got Vanderbilt. You're going to be favored to win both. Any chance South Alabama is a trap game of any kind no. in Tennessee? I don't think so. I, you know, I, I think. You know, this is a, a chance for some of these guys to play their way up in the draft some more. This is a, a game that, you know, some of the young guys can continue to make some plays. So, no, I, I think this team, uh, you know, as you pointed out in the Monday uh, afternoon two-minute drill, like they've not had that lull game. Um, you know, so, no, I think that they're very motivated to finish this out seven and five because I think they know and they hear the chatter. You know, kids listen and kids hear those type of things. Then, you know, you get to seven and five, the fans make you already more attractive. We'll see where they go bowling if they can get to seven and five. Rob, is this just the case because you were so bad last year and it was last year was just such a, 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 a miserable at times experience that, that you just want to line up and play if you're Tennessee, regardless of who the opponent is? I mean, I don't think it's all – I mean, I think that factors in for sure. But, I mean, I think they like playing for this staff. I mean, I think, you know, not just the personalities, but the brand of, of football. And, I mean, if you're Salon Page or Aaron Beasley and you – I mean, you've basically been lucky to be on some special teams for the past three years. I mean, you're chomping at the bit to get out there. Cedric Tillman, I mean, good gracious. <laughs> I can't wait for Saturday to get here every week. No, I mean, I think I think these kids are, are having fun. I mean, I really do. And I I know from talking to people in AP, I'm sure you have the same thing. I mean, they went to that game Saturday legit thinking they could win. I mean, they weren't like, let's keep it close. You know, let's see if we can get into the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they legit went into that game thinking they had a shot. Well, I mean, you know, uh, Hypo, that's how he thinks. I mean, I, you know, he doesn't believe in conceding anything. You know, I mean, remember when, you know, back when, you know, Bama, you know, Tennessee was getting ready to roll to Bama with, you know, no Cade and several things. I mean, I know, you know, Hypo made reference to a few people like, you know, I'm, we're, not, we're not conceding anything. You know, this is – you know, we're going in there and we're going to, you know, coach them up and, and scheme it up and, and see what happens. And, and, you know, you know, nobody's expecting us to win, but that's why we play the game. And so, you know, I think that's just kind of how he, how he approaches every game. Um, and I think he'll approach these next two, like he's playing Georgia and Alabama again. I mean, yeah. he knows he's not, but I mean, I think that, you know, from a, you know, keeping them the pedal down and, and, you know, keeping them focused, I think that, you know, he'll have them to the same standard he did the last five, six weeks. Yeah, I know he told some people going into Bama, we're going to score some points. I mean, I don't know how many stops we'll get. You know, if we can get enough stops, we'll score some points against Alabama. And I think they felt like it was going to be a little harder to score points against Georgia, but they felt like they certainly had a chance 
you know, going going into to this game. Why is this team? Is it is it because of tempo, Rob, and is it because of scheme that they've just been able to scheme people up? Is that why they've been so good to start games? I mean, you've covered a lot of Tennessee teams, and I have as well. I mean, there there have been some teams we go, you know what? They got a lot of weapons. They can score. I've never seen one be this dynamic offensively out of the gate. Like, there's no filling out process to what the defense is doing. It is straight. We're dictating to you what we do, and we we've got we're going to score out of the gate. I mean, they you know they they scored 150 points in the first quarter. They may have a chance to score 200 points in the first quarter this season, which is just a crazy number. But I, th- I think the pace is. Is part of it because I know I, I don't know if you wrote this or said it the other night, but I mean I think teams pra- obviously practice all week for it, and you know it's it's a point of emphasis. But I, I don't think you can really replicate it until you get out there and see the opposing offenses lined up with 33 seconds left on, on the play clock, you know, ready, ready to go again. So I think that takes some adjustment. But I mean I don't I don't I mean when you say scheme, I'm more I think it's more about play call. I mean, I play, you know, obviously the scheme is a part of it. Play call within the scheme. But Heupel and, and his offensive staff just, you know, from film study come up with stuff that they feel like they can attack and, and getting it done. I mean, the most – I mean, second play of the game, Saturday, he, had a, he drew up a touchdown. I mean, and I guarantee you that was something that, that he saw where they can manipulate coverage with, with formation or motion or, or, or something like that, and they were going to take a shot. I mean, it was – you know, obviously, I haven't seen every defensive snap Georgia play, but I wonder if anybody's been that wide open. And I mean, that was a walk. I mean, Neil's Jones walks in with that football. Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't a step on somebody; he was yards on somebody. He was unaccounted and, for. I mean, it's been that way, Austin. You know, all season long, and we talked about it early in the year when they were connecting on on things. We're like, hey, they, you know, they're getting people open. It's every week they're getting people open, particularly in the first quarter. I, I mean, I think that's. If I'm a fan, that's the most impressive thing and the, and the most encouraging thing that I've seen is that every week there's just early in the game, guys are wide open. Yeah, I mean, you can't replicate, you know, the, the tempo they play with. I thought Georgia must have practiced it like at some crazy warp level. I would love to have seen film of their practice because they actually tried to substitute and sometimes they were able to get them on there really quick, you know, uh, and, and do that. But, I mean, what Tennessee's done – early in, in the game, you know, with their tempo and, and just kind of how they get it rolling. If they can avoid penalties and, and really win first down, like that's when teams just have no chance, no chance. I mean, like, like that's when, you know, if, if they, they win first down, most drives are, are, are going past the 50, if not into the end zone. Does Tennessee run the football more these last two weeks? I mean, I was looking this up earlier today. They, they've got two games this year where the tailbacks have combined for 30 carries. Now, I think we all feel like Tyon Evans is probably not going to play, may not play the rest of the year, but not going to be available this week. But is this a game, Rob, where you take a little off of Hendon Hooker's legs and you line up and you run the football with the running backs and try to get a little bit, a little more balance than we've seen the last few weeks? I, mean, I, I try to just because, I mean, there's Tennessee's not going to win the championship or anything, but – you can lose a bowl game against a quality opponent if you lose your quarterback for the year. And Tennessee's not been able to protect the passer against anybody. And you know, given up six, they've given up 11 sacks in the last two weeks. And to me, I'm, for that reason, I'm, I'm running the footballs. But if, I, if I'm having success, I'm going to stick with that quite a bit. 
Yeah, I, um, I'll be. I think that you're going to see them run the football because I think Josh Heupel knows they need to show a little bit more of that. They need to show a little bit more balance. Uh, what that running back rotation looks like next year, who's there, what they do in the running back room, is going to be interesting to watch and what and and kind of where they are these last couple of weeks at running back. Austin is, is going to be, um, I, I think, a little bit of a storyline to see who gets a, who gets work, who doesn't get work. Do they find somebody besides two guys? in terms of it being Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. What well, you know, here's the thing. Early in the year, Tyon's got it going. Jalen Wright showed flashes all through spring and fall. And Tennessee's going to take one running back. And now I think there's a chance they take three running backs in this class. Woo. Like, you know, I mean, I, I really think that you're looking at a total rework of that room. So, again, how, how, how much things change from the beginning of the year to the end of the year just on, uh, on the field dictates – how you handle the recruiting and how you recruit a certain position a certain way. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that room, you know, needs to find some type of stability, you know, you know what you're getting in Jabari small Jalen Wright is, you know, really quick and, and really solid when they hand him the ball, but you know, he's got to be better as a pass protector. Or he'll never see the field. Um, that's gotta something. Have, he's going to have to get some lead in his rear end. I mean, he's yeah. going to have to get stronger. And I mean, he's a freshman. I'm not saying anything. Sure. But he cannot just in this in this conference and in college football, and this is what you're saying, he can't just rely on speed and quickness. That's right. Um, you know, so I mean, like I just think that running back room is gonna look vastly different two months from now. Yeah, is and again, you don't want to take anything away from the opponents because Tennessee's got a chance to win both these games. They need to go take care of their business. How much in, in your mind is these last two weeks an evaluation for some young guys? I mean, if they can get to young guys earlier in games. Do they need to do that, Rob, so that they can evaluate what, what recruiting needs they have, what the transfer, transfer world might or might not look like for them? I mean, is there, is there a little bit of that more so than earlier in the year? Hey, if we can get to a rotation of some young guys, let's get to them if we're not planning on redshirt. I mean, it would be for me. I don't know if they think that way, though. Do you? I mean, I, I, mean, I think it might – I don't know if they go in thinking that, but it probably – is a result of, of game film. You know what I mean? Like it may not be a goal going into the game, but it may be a byproduct after the fact where they, where they are able to get a look at some guys. I, I don't know about you guys. It's not sexy, but I'd love to get a look at some of those young offensive line, like Reggie Perry, like James Robinson. Um, to, it, just to see if they, what, if Tennessee has any potential there, because, you know, after playing the number one and two teams in the country, that's my biggest takeaway by far is the difference in, in the line of scrimmage between Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. I mean, Tennessee has put up some big rushing numbers this year, 200-plus for the season. They had 66 against Bama. They had 50 against Georgia. And, and Bama and Georgia both had 200-plus. I mean, I think that's where it shows up. Skill positions are, are fun to talk about. Quarterbacks are, are great. But you got to be able to – you got to have some big boys that can move other big boys in this well, league. I don't, Tennessee doesn't have enough of them. Well, they don't have any. They don't really have any depth on the old line, and then you know they're going to have a portion of that line back next year. But you know they need to start finding out. You know, is there anybody on this roster that can fill Cade's, Cade May's shoes? You know, I mean, can Jeremiah Crawford get it done? Can it be you know you know R.J. Perry? You know, who, who can get out there and, and play right tackle and and do it effectively? You know, I, so I, I'm with Rob. I mean, I at some point, like you know, you, you got to start getting some of these guys some some real run and and see what. See what they can do. I, I felt like in games where Tennessee was up by a bunch, they've 
kept you know, their starters in too long, whether it be guys in the secondary, Hendon Hooker, whatever. I, you know, I just feel like Saturday is set up for a game, you know, you know, potentially, especially if you handle your business early on to get a lot of those guys at all positions, um, whether it be like the, the, the Ruckers in the secondary or, or Brandon Turnage or Kamal Haddon or Aaron Willis at linebacker, get some of those guys a lot of playing time. Yeah, uh, I mean, Tennessee played 14 people in the front seven on Saturday. I mean, that's just not – that's not a lot of bodies. I mean, I, I'd say Georgia probably played 14 people on the defensive line. And Tennessee played 14 in, in the front seven. They, they've clearly got to develop some depth. That's the, that's the key moving forward for this program to build off what they've done this year. Speaking of building that depth, Austin, you do that through recruiting. Tennessee had a few guys in town, an official visitor, several unofficial visitors. You had a chance to visit with some guys. Uh, start with some of the unofficial visitors first, okay? Let, let's talk about uh, the, the Pierce kid, the Williams kid at tailback. Um, some of those big name guys. What, what's your takeaway from, from Tennessee with, with where they are with some of those guys? Well, I think for James Pierce, right now it's kind of a Tennessee Georgia thing. Would Georgia take him? I, I don't know. I mean, um, and then too, like you know, is, is he content to go down there and sit? Because he's got a much better chance to play here early than he does at Georgia. Um, you know, flip it to Justin Williams. Tennessee to me has ascended themselves to be the leader there. Um, it's not done. But Tennessee has really uh, quickly rose. And, and, you know, I mean, quite frankly, he told me, you know, hey, man, I want to go where I'm wanted, you know. And, and Tennessee made him feel like the most important recruit in the house Saturday, all day long. So Tennessee is, is quickly, you know, went from zero to 60 in that one. Um, and, and he's a good-looking kid, man, well put together, um, drive about six foot, about 205. Um Flipping it to, uh, you know, a couple other guys that were in town, uh, Armani Jackson or Amari Jackson um, from Eagles Landing down in Georgia. I think Tennessee did themselves a lot of good there uh, on Saturday. Um, Demario Tolan. Tolan's going to take the long view. He's going to go back to LSU after they hire a coach. I mean, that Tennessee's in a good spot there because right now he's coming off the visit high, you know, even though it was an unofficial visit. He's coming off the visit high, you know, where are they at two weeks from now? Do you think you know, Tolan? You think Tolan still signs early? I, that's his plan. He's supposed to be a midtermer. Okay. You know, I, just, I mean, you know, I mean, it's that's a quick turnaround depending on how sure. fast LSU goes uh, with, with hiring a coach, and maybe LSU goes goes quicker. I, I still contend that LSU is going to make Jimbo Fisher tell him no, and maybe Jimbo sure. Fisher can get. Did you see one. how much he tripled down on Monday? Yeah. Good lord. I, he did, and and again, I, I and and he may have told him no, and he may tell him completely no. I, I just think LSU has got to start to move in some direction pretty quickly here, or, or they're going to be in, in in trouble because that that window is going to get tight for them in terms of getting guys down there to see them for visits and and figure out whether to put a staff together and all those things. Um, is that going to be is that going to be his lane or his uh, uh Nick Saban type moment when you know Nick just like I'm not going? It's like. I mean, I, I mean, you, you bring ahead. up a great point, Hubbard. The, the the December signing window has really put pressure on on, on you when you're making a coaching change. Well, it's a, I whole, think, it's a different ball game. I think it puts pressure on you to make a decision on who your coach is going to be, particularly if you go out early like LSU did and and make it known that you're making a change. You know, and then at the flip flip slide, if you're Florida, you know, you're gonna have to make a decision pretty quick on what you're gonna do with Dan Mullen. You can't wait two or three weeks after the season and evaluate that thing. You got to go one way or the other with, with whatever you're gonna do 
um, you know, with Dan Mullen. It's going to make for a really interesting um, first part of December with some guys that I think Tennessee um, has a chance with and and is going to be involved with uh, as, as, quote, that silly season comes quickly uh, with a very short window because of the recruiting world. Austin, in a kind of a final recruiting question, everybody wants to know, Walter Nolan was at the game. Any big takeaway from there or other than, hey, he made that visit there? We'll see if he makes an official visit to Tennessee or not. Yeah, I, I said on the board, it just doesn't feel like there's much traction there. He, he came over, he checked the box. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it just doesn't feel like much traction going on right now. Which it, means- it could change two weeks from now. It's Walter. But just based off what I'm hearing, just it feels like it was more of a check-the-box thing than it was anything else. And that make that makes the junior college recruitment of the defensive tackle from Independence – Jeffrey Mba, Mba, um, the 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 and he and he French and he French. Guy. He is we we and yeah. makes makes him a, a priority. I think when you look at where the depth is on the defensive line, and, and they need a guy to come in and, and make an impact and, and play uh, early. So we'll see where Rodney Gardner. They're going to make Tom Sackoviak come over for all of his press availabilities because he had to handle, handle Eve's ponds. He handled Eves extremely well as Eves learned his French when he was in town, for sure. Speaking of the Tennessee basketball team, Rob Lewis, they look more like what you thought the Tennessee basketball team would look like against the ETSU and manhandling them. And now it gets real serious for the Tennessee basketball team in a hurry. Villanova on Saturday and then North Carolina and Purdue on Sunday. Litmus test, I guess, is the best way to say it this week, right? Yeah, we'll find I mean, early, early season measuring stick. For Tennessee, for sure, <clears throat> and I'm as interested as anybody. But I think we're the, I had I, have, I haven't seen the rankings. We're taping this on Monday. I don't know. I'm, I'd imagine they inched up a little bit from 17 in one poll and 18 in the other. But I think they're. I personally think they're a little underrated. Just you know, competition hasn't been great. But man, they're deep. Fulky getting back on, on Sunday, I think was big to get him a game. Um, and Kenny Chandler, maybe. I don't know about as good as – maybe better than advertised. SEC Freshman of the Week just looks I'm, – I'm not surprised by the talent. I've seen him enough. But the maturity, the poise that he plays with is really impressive. And I like the fact that Rick Barnes is starting to lay on the defense, right? He doesn't play – he doesn't play nearly good enough defense. That That's going to be the – that's going to be the bell cow for Rick because he, there's not anything you can really be critical of. Kennedy Chandler's offensive game about at this point, but he is going to be pretty relentless on the defensive end of the floor about him. Somebody, right somebody, and, and, and this is a testament to, to Kennedy. I mean, he, I mean, you know, kids, I mean, kids weed themselves out. If you're a prima donna with a big ego, I don't care how good of a player you are. You're not going to, I mean, you're, you're not going to pick Tennessee. It's going to be obvious early in the process. That it's, it's not the place for you. And, um, you know, Kennedy has none of that. I mean, he, he would be justified. And, and, you know, and having an ego and expecting, you know, a little special treatment. And he, and there is, there is none of that with him. As somebody told me, somebody around the program told me last week that Kennedy Chandler had gotten the Jordan bone treatment for a week, which if you, if you saw Tennessee practice when, when bone was here, that, that was not, that was not a fun week for Kennedy Chandler. And I mean, and he, he could just take it. And, you know, a lot of kids, especially freshmen cannot. And I, I think you're going to see him get better and better because of that. Cause he's getting coached hard. And he's okay with it. All right. So Villanova is really good. Fourth ranked team in the country. They, they've they've impressed. Where is Tennessee defensively? And look, let's make it clear. 
you better not be playing your best basketball this time of year. If you do, you're not going to have a very good basketball season. So the upside for this Tennessee team is high. The, the growth that this team needs to take is obviously pretty significant, particularly on the defensive end. What what worries you most about Tennessee defensively right now, Rob? Is it is it post-defense rim protector? Is it keeping the ball in front of you on the perimeter with straight line drives? Uh, for me, it's it's rim protection because unless – I mean, even if Jonas Adu, you know, gets himself back in shape after missing two and a half, three weeks of practice and, and is a member of the rotation, I mean, he's not going to play 18, 20 minutes a game. And he's your best friend protector. I mean, he, he might play some, but he's not going to really change who you are defensively. So for me, it's it's handling elite size. And there's not a lot of that on the schedule, but there will be. I mean, if you want to get where you want to go in, in March, you're going to have to be able to handle elite size. And I don't mean just with rim protection, but I mean keeping people off the backboards. And I'll, I'll say this about deep. This is not something I would notice. Some, like a smart basketball person would have to tell me this. And I talked with uh, ETSU head coach Des Oliver yesterday and after the game. And aside, he was raving about Kennedy Chandler, which he did on the record, his post-game comments. And he did the same story off the record. But the second thing he was most impressed with was John Fulgerson's ball screen defense. And which is again is not something I would I would take away from from first watch. Somebody would need to point that out to me. And he said it was it was elite, as good as anybody, you know, in, in the country. From what he and and then he kind of illuminated to me how how much that helped Tennessee in other areas, how much it helped other guys when you had a big who could come out on the perimeter, handle the ball screen, recover, and not make you shift and adjust. And I think there's there's kind of some subtle things like that going on defensively on the roster with some of the veterans. I think Olivier is, is kind of in that same category. Josiah, for sure, is in that same category. I think this is going to be a really good defensive team but you know, as we go on. But rebounding is would be my biggest concern when they start getting up against the other elite programs. Do you think that's where they get exposed most this weekend is on the rebounding end? I'll see. I mean, because you, you're starting a big man in Fulky who is – he does a ton of things well, but he is not an elite rebounder. You know, that's that's kind of, you know, he can get shoved off his spots. Um, you know, guys can guys can move him. Olivier is 6'8". I mean, he's he's not the biggest guy. So, you know, you, you got to be a, a good rebounding team. But what I mean, Josiah's got to come down and get six or seven. Justin Powell, when he's on the floor as a six foot seven wing, has got to get in there and, and mix it up. Because I, I, a lot of nights you're going to be outmatched in, in the post with Fulke and, and Olivier. All right, last thing. I mean, offensively, this team's got a lot of weapons. What what are they going to – what can they do to expose teams, quality teams this weekend? What, Man, what I think just think? just spread them out. I mean, wow. I mean, you can't stay in front of Kennedy. I don't care who you are. You cannot stay in front of Kennedy Channel. He's going to collapse you. And Tennessee can put shooters around him. I mean, Olivier's only made – he's what, three for three from three. I mean, just the fact that you have to guard him out there create space. Josiah doesn't shoot it great, but he shoots it well enough. Santiago can be a sniper. Justin Powell can be a sniper. I just I just think opening the floor up and letting Kennedy play is, is where Tennessee can expose people because he he's not as big as a minute, and he, he is an elite finisher for a kid his size. That's Offensively, that may be the most impressive thing about him is how he is able to t- either take or avoid contact in close quarters and finish on layups. I mean, it's everybody just pay attention to that. I mean, it's it's a subtle skill, and he is really good at it. But yep. I think I think floor spacing and, and shooting numbers where Tennessee can really get after some people. 
Well, everybody should enjoy every minute that uh, Kennedy Chandler plays on this basketball team this fall because he's going to be fun to watch this fall and winter. Uh, but everybody around the country is certainly taking note of that. Big weekend for Tennessee basketball. Uh, we'll have more on the, the hoops vols throughout the weekend. And obviously, it's a big week for Tennessee on the football front, an opportunity to get bowl eligible as they host South Alabama. We'll have full coverage of Tennessee, bas- or Tennessee football uh, and recruiting all week long as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics Podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ball Quest podcast every week here on Ball Quest.